This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen, amen. Um, this is the fourth week in our series on the storms of life and uh, facing it. And I'm going to just quickly go through this for the sake of time. Um, and I'm going to talk to you, a subtitle is Jesus on Top of the Storm. I'm not going to spend a lot of time recapping here because uh, uh, we want to get into a communion here. But our text is in Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, and won't read all those verses we read through those earlier in the series, but Jesus is coming to the disciples in the midst of a storm. Or you could say it this way, Jesus is coming to his disciples, and they're in the middle of a painful situation. Now, I don't know about you, but I, on occasion, go through painful situations. How about you? Some of you right now are in a very painful situation. And this series is about how we can personally grow and develop through those painful situations in our life. And here's the thing. Whenever God says, I'm going to promote you, I'm going to give you power, I'm going to, I'm going to move you further in spiritual growth, you need to get ready for pain. Amen, Pastor Mike. You mean I came to church to hear that? <clears throat> get ready for pain. Why? Well, pain is what God allows in our lives. And, and, and it, it, how many of you know that pain can humble you? It can. If, if you know Christ and you know his word, it humbles you and, and it causes you to, your senses to become aware. I remember the story about Joseph. Remember in the Old Testament, he had a dream. His brothers hated him because of his dream. They despised him. And it was his purpose. And some of you experiencing pain because of your purpose that God has called you to. There's a, a purpose he has for your life, but you're experiencing a pain in your life. And so the brothers hated Joseph because of the purpose God had for his life. And anytime you step out, you say, why are you saying that, Pastor Mike? Because we're a church here that's equipping, and we desire people to step into their God-given uh, gifts and ability. But Satan wants to keep you in the stadium as a spectator. Because you, you can shout, you can go, oh, that was a great play, and not have any effect of what's going on in the game. God wants you in the game. Amen? Amen. Three amens. That's great. <clears throat> so, quickly, okay, get to the point here, Mike. Uh, we talked about storms and, and what they reveal in our life and commitment, maturity, attitude, and then we hit on a teachability. And, you know, what do we learn from the storm of life? Some of you just, hey, that was a bad experience. No, I do get that. I get that. There's some things when I die and get to heaven, and I'm going to say, oh, Lord, um, I didn't get this. I didn't understand this. I didn't make sense. Uh, but, you know, there's a scripture, and the Bible says that the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them known, his covenant. And I, I think about that, and there's times that in, in, in the early walk of my faith that I went through things I didn't understand, but maybe 15, 20 years later, I think I see God had a purpose. Amen? And, and so sometimes you have to just take your time and through them. And, and so some of you just think, well, it's just a bad experience, and it just absolutely didn't, you know, do anything that was positive in my life. Here's the thing. Experience is not the best teacher. So wait a minute, Pastor Mike. <laughs> 
I've learned more through walking through life and having all these experiences than maybe just sitting in some classroom and hearing a lecture. It's true that experience does teach you things. But how many know that you have to reflect on that experience? Amen? So what do you mean? If you're going to truly learn from something, you got to reflect. See, experience really is going to teach you nothing. But if you evaluate that experience, that teaches you everything. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Reflection turns experience into insight. So you don't only live that experience, but you learn from it also. And so how does that play out? You know what? I know I shouldn't drink. And I know someday, God forbid, I'm going to be drunk, get a DWI, or, you know, I'm overloaded. I can't control the alcohol. And, and you know, and I, God forbid, I hope. And, and then you go through that whole thing. I say, you know, back at it again. Back at it again. How many of you know that we're not learning from? You have a lot of experiences, but you're not learning. And so God wants us to learn. Somebody shout teachability. God wants us to be teachable, and that, 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 that takes time uh, in his work in our lives. So back to the story, Matthew 14, Jesus is, you know, he, he sends his disciples out. We shared this before, and he actually, it's, it's a forceful command, get in the boat and get out on the lake. And so they get out there, and Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, says this, Jesus, now I want you to get this, it's the storm is going on, these are fishermen, these are tough guys, and Jesus, I highlight here, he tells because uh, Peter goes, if it's you, Lord, and they're terrified, they're horrified, they think it's a ghost. If it's you, Lord, command me to come out. And Jesus says, come. Incidentally, when Jesus tells you something to do, how many know you can do it? An impossible thing coming out. But here's the thing. The water was not still at that time. Do you see that? Because in verse 32, it didn't, it didn't calm down until verse 32 and it says, Jesus stepped into the boat and then it became still. And they go, this is God. So in that storm, then the question I have for Peter, I love Peter. Why in God's name would you want to step out of a boat in a storm? But Jesus says, come into the storm. Come into the storm because I got something to teach Peter. <laughs> and so Jesus has come and he walks in the water and, and he does what Jesus is doing. And so I think about that and I think about the storm and, and, and Jesus even knowing Peter was going to sink. And, and he said, come, come. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? You know, what is Jesus doing when we're in the storm? Is he anywhere there? Or did he decide to go to another galaxy and just leave us alone? I mean, how many of you ever feel that way? Where are you in the storm? And I thought about that and I thought, you know, what is he doing? What is he doing? The first thing Jesus does for us in Matthew 14, verses 23 and 24, it says he's praying for us. He's praying for us. The Hebrew writer says that Jesus intercedes. It's a legal term. It means to go on behalf or in between on someone, to stand for it. And it isn't like the Heavenly Father is, has this angst against us and Jesus is begging of the Heavenly Father, have mercy on them, relieve them from this horrible storm. No, he mediates and he goes, that's my son. That's my daughter. They've received the new covenant. They've received my grace. And I intercede, I move on behalf. How many of you know there's spiritual warfare going on for your soul? There is a real devil, okay? It's the enemy, the Bible says, and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus is interceding. And actually means in our time of need, literally in the Greek, it means in the nick of time. Say that with me, say, in the nick of time. Man, I wish it wasn't that way. I don't like in the nick of time, but I'm glad for nick of time, right? <laughs> Amen, I didn't say nicotine, I said in the nick of time. 
Amen. In the nick of time. In other words, we're here on earth. We're encountering these storms in our life. And Jesus, as the scripture said, now is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding. He's praying for you in your storm. He's not oblivious. He's not sitting there, not just thinking, looking down, going, man, they're really going through a rough time. He's interceding. He's praying. He's praying for us. He's ministering to us. What else does he do? He comes to us, the Bible says in Matthew 14, 25. Now, during the storm, here's the thing. God is not aloof in our lives. He's not some distant God. He enters our storm. And I'm going to share at the end of the service of how God, me as a child, entered my storm in my life situation. I pray that it would be victory for, for many of you. But if you look at verse 25, it says, A little while before morning, Jesus came walking on the water towards the disciples. Here's the thing. It's still storming. Just because he's walking on the water doesn't mean the storm is not happening. So it didn't subside. So in other words, Jesus comes to us in our storm. It's still storming, but he's there. It's still storming, but he's there. He's there. Just because he came walking on it didn't mean he ended the storm. And I want to encourage many of you here this morning that the storm that you're in, Jesus is not aloof. He's there coming, walking on the water towards. But there's a key thing I want us to see here. The timing when he comes. The timing when he comes. You know, the prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi, he says that God is like a silversmith, a silversmith. And I'll explain that in a moment. But Malachi 3.3 says this, he, God, will come to judge uh, like one who refines and purifies silver. As a metal worker, refined silver and gold. So the Lord's messenger will purify the priest. The Bible says we are kings and we are priests. It says that in the New Testament because of what Christ has done. So that they will bring to the Lord the right kind of offering, the right kind of praise. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? God is the great silversmith, and he's, he's working in our life, and he's watching us in these storms. Um, I just thought, found a little uh, story about the, what a silversmith actually does when he's refining silver. And one guy who writes about it, he said, he said, I must, I must sit, now watch this, with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace, for if the time necessary for refining be exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver will be injured. In other words, heating it too much is going to damage the silver. And there's oxides and there's things in it, no, too much oxygen that affects the silver. He says this, I never take my eye off of the silver in the furnace. Jesus never takes his eye off of you in the storm. Never. When you fell, you have tanked, you've fallen, you can't get back up. Jesus, I'm never taking my eye off of you in the storm. He said, I don't want to take it out too early because if I take it out too early, it won't be purified. Hmm. But I don't want to leave it in too late because if I leave it in too late, it'll be injured. He says, when the silver is in the fire, he goes, I focus. God is focusing on you here this morning. He is not oblivious to the trial, to the furnace that you're in. He says, I don't let anything distract me. I let nothing take off my focus. I watch that silver carefully, waiting for the right moment to take it out. When asked when was the right moment, he said, the silversmith, he said, I know the silver is pure when I can see my face reflected in it. And that's what God is doing. He's looking for his face reflected in your life. See, storms hit people's lives. And you know what happens to the majority of people? They're bitter. They're angry. They're hateful. 
you didn't do this, you didn't do that, that marriage didn't work out. Why didn't you heal my son? Why didn't you heal my daughter? Why didn't you heal my marriage? Why didn't you fix this financial thing I had? I cried out to you, I asked it. And they get bitter, bitter. And they pull away from God. That's what the enemy wants. To make you believe and think that God is not watching over. Watching over. Now, maybe this doesn't happen to you, but when, when I'm in the worst part of the storm, or if I think I'm in the worst part of the storm, and as soon as it arises, I don't know about you, but I don't really like pain much. I'm so glad that God made me a man, not a woman, because I could not have handled being a woman, because they get tougher than men with pain. Just leave it with that. At least the women I know, they're tough. Can handle it. Um, but, you know, usually I say, okay, God, bail me out. All right, enough is enough. Got it. Lesson learned. Can we move past this? And it doesn't seem like he rescues me in that moment. Can I get an amen in here? Here I am. Find me. Rescue me. Get me out. I need you now, God, to get me out. I heard this. If God always met our expectations, then he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. Isn't that right? And so God wants to exceed our expectations. He just want to meet our needs. I thank God for him meeting our needs, but he wants to do abundantly above and more than we can ever ask or think. I think of the story of Abraham. What did Abraham want? Abraham wanted a son. And you can put in that word, a son, you can put, you can put a house, a car, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're thinking, I really need this. I really need this. But see, with Abraham, God was, all Abraham could see was the son. He, he was looking for something that, that was the desire of his heart. And he thought, if I had that, that would heal all. And God said, I see beyond the son. I see beyond the child. I want you to go outside. I want you to look up and see all those stars. I'm going to make many sons and daughters. And he's talking about you and I. He was talking about us. Back then, we are the sons and daughters, the seed of Abraham. Can I get an Amen. But see, all he could see is one thing. What am I trying to, what are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? What I'm trying to get across here this morning is, is that God has more than what you think you need. He has something greater than the thing you think to pursue. God has much more. He wants to exceed. Can I get an amen? And so, so how many know that God is not just into rescuing us, he, he's into purifying our lives? Amen. Purify. How many know that's not a curse word? Amen? It's a good word. See, the spirit of obligation is the enemy of joy. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? You know, when you need God to do something right now, and you don't get it. How many know what happens? There goes our joy. You should have done this then. You should have, you know, you should have, and he doesn't, and he doesn't. So what is God doing? He's waiting. He holds until the right moment when he comes. It's never too early. It's never too late. It's just on the right nick of time. When Jesus comes to us, when Jesus comes to us, he comes to us at our darkest hour. It's right there in the scripture. Notice verse 25. He says, a little before morning, Matthew 14, 25. He said, it actually means if you read some commentators between 3 a.m. and 6, or 5 or 6 a.m. How many know that's the darkest time? That's the kind of the time where if you want to find trouble, be out in the morning at that time. How many know Christians don't really need to be out unless you're working somewhere, amen, at that time? It's usually when I read something, this horrible thing happened. She was walking down the street at 3 a.m. What was she doing walking down the street at 3 a.m. behind a bar? You know, it's like that, that bad things happen at that time. Can I get an amen? But the darkest time, that's the time Jesus came. Wow. When they were in their storm. The darkest hour of the night, right before the dawn, right, right before the morning. 
In other words, Jesus is, what we see here is he walks into our storm, the storms of our life in our darkest time, the, the darkest time, the mo- when you're the most neediest, amen, when, when you could say this, the silver is just right, that's when he comes out of the bowl. You know, sometimes the people, it takes them to get into crime, get in the drugs and alcohol, get in the mischief, and they're thrown in prison, come on, and then while they're in prison and they're serving time in prison, the silver starts to be reflected and they get, they, you know, the light goes on. Now, how many don't want to go down that route? So, so we want to be quick learners, amen? But sometimes it's, it, it's the darkest time in our life, and, and those things, when they happen, we go, oh, God, no, no. But really, it may be, it may be a, a miracle in the making. We don't know that. We don't know that. So the darkest times. And so when I think about it, it's like, Jesus, you're coming at the dark time. Uh, is, is, he, is he apathetic? No. Is he, is he ignorant? Absolutely not. You know, he saw everything. He knew he was praying and he came at the right time, the darkest time in our life. You know, someone said God's greatest invitations come through life's little interruptions. That's so true. I've seen that in my life. So Jesus comes at the dark hour. But when else does he come? He comes to us victorious over our greatest fears. Now, I want you to get this in Matthew 14, 26. When they saw him, Jesus, walking on the water, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they said, and they were screaming in fear. In other words, now watch this. Jesus came walking on the very thing that frightened the disciples, the storm. He came walking on it. I want you to see this. He's walking, watch this, on the thing that's terrifying them. The thing that's filling them with anxiety, with dread, with fear. What are you worried about? What is the fear in your storm? We're going to go bankrupt. You know, I might, I might lose my life. I got, I got, I got a, you know, a bad diagnosis on something, maybe a physical body and fear. And, and, and so they're worried about, the disciples are worried about the waves. They're worried that they're going to die. They're going to drown. And once again, these are tough guys. These are sailors. These are fishermen. That the boat is going to capsize. They're, they're going to lose, lose their life. And they're bailing water and they're fearful and it's being tossed. It's, it's going to capsize and, and, and they're frightened. And, and then the waves are coming. Then all of a sudden, the very thing that fills them with terror, their place, if I could say it this way, where their greatest fears are, Jesus comes walking on their fear. He comes walking on the water. In other words, I could hear Jesus saying, hey, guys, watch this. The thing that you are terrified about, the greatest storm, and so how many of you know that this, many of us, we envision things that are never going to happen? Yeah. Never going to happen. I mean, oh my God, what if a bomb blows up this, you know, whatever? It ain't, the odds of the, it's so minuscule. We watch the news, we just think it's everywhere. We're paranoid. Amen. Someone wrote a, a book years ago, and it was, I can't remember the title, it's something along the line of what to do in an emergency. You know, like if you're in a plane, the pilot dies. Are you able to take the plane down? You know, something like that. And I thought, nobody's going to buy that. It sold 10 million copies. I thought, that's an interesting book. I'd like to get that. You know, SOS, what to do in emergency. Could you survive? You know, I like that stuff like that. Anyhow, moving right along. Jesus is saying, I'm going to walk on the thing you're terrified about. My son, my daughter. This, this stronghold of my life is addiction. Am I ever going to break free? I'm a, I come in walking on that, that I have authority over that. I have victory over that. 
You don't need to be afraid. Come on, can I get an amen? Whether it's sickness, he comes walking on sickness and disease, amen? Maybe you're afraid of death, he comes walking on the waves of death. Maybe you're afraid of a, a diagnosis with your child or your son or your daughter or maybe your life or your family. Christ is our healer still. Can I get an amen? We call upon him. Jesus is standing on top of whatever storm that we may be facing. And he's declaring, you are my child. And I can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you ask or think. Amen? So I believe that. I believe that. Jesus he has authority, he, and he's given us authority, and then we can rise above these things. You know, great preacher, see it's uh, Spurgeon, he said this, when God allows us to be put into the furnace, he goes with us. And I've talked with people that have been through very tragic situations, abuse situations, and one of the ways just to speak, just a word of hope is, where was God and all that? How many know we live in, a, live in a world that is just dominated by evil? Even though Christ has legally wrought the victory, there is a real devil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We don't need to live in fear, but, you know, there's a real devil. But here's the thing. <clears throat> when we know that Jesus is with us in the storm, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Some of you feel God has left you because of your actions and your behavior. And I come to declare to you this morning, he has never left you. He has never left you. Power in some deep sin, Pastor. If you only knew. I mean, see, you know, a spirit of pride will not receive repentance. Pride thinks I should be better. I should be better than this. I should know. I, I know better. Pride tells you that. Humility says, thank you, God. Thank you for your cleansing power. I know I didn't measure up, but I fall down and I say, Lord, thank you. I need you, God, more today. And you know what? He's right there. He's right there. See, God's arms are not crossed while he looks at you. God's arms are open wide with the scars in it, saying, come home. Come home. After Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid themselves. Sin causes us to hide. And Jesus is saying here, I invite you in. No matter how much junk you've been in, Jesus is saying, come on in. Like Peter, come on, step out. Yeah, there's some storms I'm going to allow. They're going to come through your life, but I'm never going to take my eye off of you. And you know what? There's going to come a day where you're going to look, and I'm going to see my reflection of me in your life. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I'm almost done here. You know, I think about an eagle when a storm. An eagle knows when a storm is coming. And long before it even approaches, it knows. And so what it does is it catches the winds and it rises above that storm. Here's the thing. While the storm rages below, the eagle is soaring above it. The eagle doesn't escape it, but he rises above. So he goes through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. Amen. So storms, they don't have to overcome us. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. Something I want to get here in a moment, but we're going to receive communion and um, this moment here. But <clears throat> just going to share a, a story and, and how Jesus came in, in, into my life and affected me. But uh, maybe we can get the communion ready there with the ushers. But I just want to encourage you. There's a scripture I want to read here, and then we're going to receive communion. I want you to think about this. I almost posted a video, a short clipping, and had you come and, and, and hear this morning with something on your phone. 
I should have probably done it, but I thought, oh, well, maybe after today you go home and do this. But it was affecting me with something I want to share here about my life as a kid growing up. But I want you to insert your name where it says this, scripture here in Isaiah 43.1. We're talking about storms being Jesus on top of the storm, but coming to us in our storm. But now the Lord who created you puts your name in there. I put Michael. Michael says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters into great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. And the flames will not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God. I want you to think about that with every head bowed and you close your eyes here this morning. We all go through storms in our life. And God is prophetically, I believe, declaring to us here this morning. I am with you. And you insert your name there. I am with you. I don't want you to be afraid. No matter what you're faced with. Those deep waters, that great trouble, those rivers of difficulty. That fire of oppression. Whatever it may be. God is saying, I am with you. I will never leave you. Or forsake you. Hallelujah. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know the Lord. I'm not right with God. I feel like I'm in the midst of the storm, but I really don't feel like I have any hope. That's you this morning, or maybe you're listening by television or audio. This is a great opportunity, a great moment for you to surrender your life to Christ. If you've never done that, I'm not talking about, well, I believe in God. I'm talking beyond that. The Bible says you must be born again. What does that mean? Christ's spirit will come into your life as you surrender your life to Christ. If you've never done that, and God, you feel is tugging on your heart here this morning. What is he asking for you? He's saying, I want you and all your garbage. I want you and all your sins. I want you and all your weaknesses. I want you and all your mess. If you would just give me your life. Let me do the work in your life here this morning. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. Let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just made that commitment, I want to encourage you to be plugged in. Get plugged into a local church. We welcome you here to Harvest and, and, uh, and get trained. We grow when we're in relationship and community in the local church. Amen. I'm kind of concluding this, this series and how the Lord coming to us. I can think of many areas in, my, in the past. There are numerous ones where God came and rescued, but one that was very pronounced that kind of set the stage for my life was when I was a, a child. And uh, I'm gonna bring it up to this next screen here. Now, I'm not putting that picture up me to garnish any support or sympathy. Maybe just a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> but how do you not love a little guy like that, okay? <clears throat> but here I am, young kid, seven years old. And, you know, many of you heard the story. I have uh, grew up in a home that my dad did not believe I was his son and my sister, who's with the Lord now, <clears throat> uh, because of our eye color and just, you know, all of that. And so I grew up under that. 
And without getting into great detail, but you talk about rejection <clears throat> and pain. It was huge. And when you're a little kid, you don't understand that. You don't know why. I mean, how can you, how can a parent not love their kid? And so, uh, <clears throat> growing up in that, and, and so I felt that, and he'd come home, and a lot of times we'd just scatter. We'd have to go hide, because he would start hitting on someone, or whipping somebody, and it got to a point where I put books in my pants, just because he would, he would come and, and hit us, and when I hit it, he broke the, he had a <clears throat> ping pong paddle, and he would, and he broke it on my, my butt, <laughs> and, and then he took the books out, and then, and so I share this, just to tell you that I was a broken kid, shattered, broken, and and I look at myself here, I was looking at this week when I saw that picture, hesitating about Jesus at that time in my life. To the, to the right of that, you see this, this album, it's Bullfrogs and Butterflies. That's really dating me, but it came out in 1978. And what they used to do back then is they would go door to door. Now you can get shot if you go door to door, just letting you know. Delivering a pizza, you can get killed. <clears throat> it's happened. But they go door to door, open the door, come on in, you know, total stranger, and all those kids gather around, and they had a record. Some of you remember the records? It's not a huge CD, it's just a record. And this was a record. And I remember I took that, and I used to play those songs. So I was about 12, 13 years old. And some of them were, I remember the Welcome to Agape Land, Rainy Day, my hands belong to you. Practice makes perfect. That's where the perfectionism came in my life. <laughs> uh, Bullfrogs and Butterflies was the, the title. It was a, a real fun Noah. But there was one song at the end, I Would Weep. And I'm going to play that at the end of the service. And as a little kid, God came to me. He came to me. It was called, You're So Good to Me. And I replayed it and began to well up just this week thinking I haven't heard that in 25 years, that, that, that album and that song. What am, I, what am I trying to say? God will come to us in our hopeless situations, walking on those storms. And you need to know just because you're maybe a little kid and you wonder, God, you know, what's going on in my life? God will meet you in your storm. You may feel I'm in a storm in my life right now. God will meet you in the storm. Amen? Stand with me if you would, please. And here's, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. This is what I almost posted a video on, but you could do that. If you had your cell phone and there's a picture of you as maybe a kid or if there's a picture of you in the darkest time of your life. Some of you know right when I said that, exactly when that was at. You were 13. You were 16. You were five. You were 22. I don't know. I want you to take a picture of that. I want you to prayerfully want you to look at you. Why, Pastor Mike? Because here's the question. What would you tell yourself now if you could go back in time then in your desperate hour in the time where you were alone when you feel that you were abandoned by God in a storm you felt you were alone you were scared you were uncertain you were unloved. What would you tell yourself? And I, I thought about that, and I looked at that picture of me. I, I was, at that time, I was only seven years. I, I wrote down, I said, I would say, Michael, 
don't be afraid. I'm going to rescue you from this mess. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to say, you're going to go to the Marine Corps. They're going to help straighten you out in some ways, give you discipline, and it's going to be good for you. And then after you get out of the Marines, I'm going to send you to Bible school. And you get spiritual training down in Dallas, Christ of the Nations. And, and then, and while you're there, I'm going to give you the dream girl of your life. Now, come on, guys. You know, when you're young, you're kind of thinking, what kind of girl would like me? Am I the only guy that ever thought that? Come on, you know, you kind of wonder. There was one girl that was in college, and her name was Joy. And my friend said, you know what? You're going to finish your course with Joy. I went, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. And it just, she was a nice girl, but um, not my type. And I said, you are wonderful in his image, and, but you and I don't have the same path. And, but I looked over one time, and, and I saw Rhonda, and... And we, I was with a couple of guys, a South African former police officer, another guy from Minnesota, and they were saying, what type of girl would you like? Whatever, I look, I'm like, that girl right there. I did that. And she was just sitting there in a red sweater and unbeknownst. But it was a dream. And what am I trying to say? I look back and I, I look at me and I go, God gave me desires of my heart. Wow. You're going to have three beautiful children, Mike. Yeah, you're going to encounter painful storms along the way. Family, broken relationships with people, and shortcomings in your own life. And, but I'm always there, ready to come out in that storm and to meet you. And I'm not done with you yet, Mike. Not done with you. This is what I'll be telling myself. And I'm going to lead you to the promised land. Your promised land is going to be the state of Minnesota from Massachusetts. It's my promised land. Some of you go, I can't wait to get out of here. It's my promised land. <laughs> you're going to youth pastor for 10 years, serve under a ministry, you're going to learn a lot, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to start a church in your living room. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you there. There's three women. And that church is going to grow. And I'm going to give you a larger family, family that loves you. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to travel in over 10 different nations and do crusades. And just think of trying to tell that kid at that age. It's impossible. What am I trying to say? I'm using my life as a very small illustration that at church, God has so much more for every single one of you. And if you can go back now where you're at, yeah, you'd probably say, don't go out with that person or something. I don't know, but... But really, look at it and ask the Lord, what would you say from an encouragement standpoint? Every head bowed, please, this morning. Fear not, God says. I have so much good in store for each and every one of you. And I want to expand your narrow thinking, your marginal thinking, God says. I want to expand. Will you just... You're just praying for a son or a daughter or just a little breakthrough here in the finances and maybe this relationship. I just need God says, I have so much more, so much more for each and every one of you. If you just cling to me, I want you to just take a moment throughout this week, speak words of hope to yourself. You need to speak words of hope. What God has done in the past, he's going to be faithful in the future. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to just invite the altar workers to come forward here.
For many of you, this is a moment of reflection. For some of you, and I don't want you to miss this moment. You don't have to feel like you have to bolt out of here. We're going to kind of dim the lights in a moment. And these are spiritual people here. They are here for you. They are prayed up. Some things that you maybe you just need prayer for to break through. They're here for you. I want to invite you to, to have ministry in that. But, but while we conclude here, we're going to, once I dismiss, we're just going to play this song that spoke to me now, once again, it's a 1978 dated song. But it was a kid's song. But God met me as a child. And I can remember at 532 East Street, Brockton, Mass, in that house, where I'd run in terror from my earthly father. I got to know my heavenly father. And I remember going down into the bedroom downstairs and I would kneel down and put this record on and I would listen to it and I would put a put pillow there and put my head down on the floor kneeling and I would just cry out, where are you God? Are you real? And he touched my life. And when this song played as a young boy, I would begin to weep and God ministered to me. Why am I sharing this? God is here, I believe, to minister to you in your storm. And you need to know that Jesus will come out walking on it to help you. Father, I bless the people of God here this morning. Lord, we just sense this moment. We don't know exactly what you want to do, but we know that you're doing something right now in our lives. Help us not to miss it. Help us not to brush it off. Lord, heal, deliver, set free. Mend, Father God. Bring hope into the lives of your people. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed day tomorrow, this week. Amen. God bless Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.